0: Attention.
1: It's time to register for elusian Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate, innovate, inspire, explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at com. This conference is going to be epic. By now, you've heard me talk about Insights EDU in Phoenix, Arizona, February 20 through 22nd. Here's why I think you should join us at the Insights EDU conference. It's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. If you're concerned at all about where your enrollments are going to come from in 2024 and beyond, and you should be concerned. You need to be at this conference. Register now at insightsedu.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50.
0: Prepare to be astonished.
1: Welcome back, everybody. It's your time to EDUP on the EDUP Experience podcast where we make education your business. This is Dr. Joe Salustio back with you here on another episode of the EdUp Experience, which I have said over 800 times in the last four years or so. Um, I got to tell you guys, it is when I think about um, my career over 20 years, 22 or three years, I started when I was 10 in higher education, so I'm still on the younger side. But um, w- when I think about my career in higher ed, one of the greatest honors of my time in higher ed has been able, is the honor of being able to interview so many amazing people in and around higher education to find out you know what's going on in the industry we'll call it post secondary education because there's so many pathways that students can take now to get an education and i think that's one of the points of distinction that we should be making a little bit more clearly in 2024 as multiple pathways which means we have multiple guests. We have multiple perspectives. That's what makes the setup experience um, uh, so amazing in my opinion, which is completely biased uh, because of course I am the host and co-founder. I should say it's good, right? And if it wasn't, I wouldn't do it. So with that, I'll get off my soapbox. I'm really honored to bring back, um, uh, a, co- a My co-host, who was a guest, he's back. It's been a couple years, I think. It's probably been two, two and a half years, and that's just a roundabout uh, guess. Uh, but I'm I'm really happy he's back. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. He's the one and only Jason Altmaier. He is the president and CEO of Career Education Colleges and Universities, better known as CQ.
0: Jason, what's going on? Glad to be back with you, Joe. I, I don't think you need a co-host, but I am happy to do it. Uh, no, I really do because sometimes
1: I, I couldn't get my words out in that introduction. If you're looking listening closely, I keep messing up, but that I leave all those edits in because podcasting is not easy. As you know, Jason, It's um, uh, you make mistakes, uh, you lose your train of thought, and uh, it's part of the job. So it's good to have somebody else along for the ride that can clean it up when you get in trouble,
0: right? happy to do it i i think you double the chances of one of us making a mistake though by having us both
1: no (laughs) doubt about that uh no doubt about that uh jason just quick before we uh, jump to our guest i want you to remind the audience if this is they haven't heard you in a little while um you're the uh, president and ceo of cq which is a, a membership organization that is um passionately advocating always for career and technical colleges, of which I had the privilege of working for one for 15 years um, when I started out my career in the sector. Uh, but before that, uh, you, did, you wrote this book and you did something in government. Remind our audience what you did.
0: I, well, before the book, I served in Congress. I I come from a business background. I've been a senior executive at two different multi billion dollar healthcare companies. But in between those two stints, I served three terms as a U.S. congressman and I served on the higher education subcommittee and became very involved in issues related to career education. After I left Congress, I wrote a book about political polarization, uh, just the epidemic that we have in this country. Different subject for a different time. Absolutely. And uh, now at CQ, CQ is an acronym, it's CECU, and it's uh, the national association that represents private post secondary career schools. So we have about 1,100 campuses across North America. Representing everything from culinary and cosmetology to aviation and auto technicians to the skilled trades, truck drivers, welders, all the things that you think of when you think of career and, and of course, healthcare programs, allied health and nursing. And uh, it's very fulfilling to see these folks, many of whom are first generation to higher education, have gone through tough times in their lives. And uh, they're they're making a difference with their education and they go out and they find work and and they're able to grow their income and help their families and make a difference for their communities. So I I really find fulfillment in the role.
1: You know, um, it's funny. And I think back to a huge shift and and, and I'll hit my sound effect button in a minute. But COVID has terrible as it was for higher education, one thing that I, I really thought was a positive byproduct out of it is the term essential workers. So all of a sudden, all of these people that were trained in career colleges and technical colleges that... You know we're made have been looked on with their you know by nonprofit higher education in some instances with their nose up as these less than jobs. All of a sudden we're the most important people you could find. Um, when your HVAC went out in Cal, I remember in California in COVID, and my uh, AC went out and you couldn't find anybody to fix it. You went, wow, the essential workers that we have. And let me just say, for anybody that wants to put more regulation on our career colleges and tech, uh, career and technical colleges, I would just say this: This is lunacy. Uh, no more regs. Uh, Let 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 those uh, schools do what they're supposed to do. That's that's all I got to say about that. Let me get off my soapbox, Jason.
0: I would just say before you get off your soapbox, if you're sitting on an airplane and you're looking at those workers outside working on your airplane, you want two things. You want them to be really well trained. You want them to be good at what they do and you want there to be a lot of them. And those workers come from our career schools. That's where those folks come from. And if you want to rebuild America and rebuild our roads and bridges and infrastructure, locks and dams, interstate highways, airports, you're going to need skilled trades. You're going to need truck drivers. You're going to need welders. You're going to need all the people who do that infrastructure improvement. So if you want to talk about High, high demand professions uh, that I, I don't think there's any more high demand or more important profession than the people who do those work. that work. Well
1: said. Well, one person that's going to need all those skilled workers is our guest today because he's flying around the country. So he's not going to be going anywhere without some skilled workers, uh, but he's got a lot to say. Let me bring him to the mic right now. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen. His name is Dale Vanderwall. He is a higher education industry advisor at Salesforce, a little company called Salesforce. Dale, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on.
1: So uh, what'd you think about that little, uh, the little soapboxing that we did? I mean, you know, higher ed is just some of this training that we're doing for individuals out there. So important. Right. And you don't know you need somebody, especially a trade somebody that's skilled in trades until something breaks in your house and then you can't find an electrician. Right. I mean, it's just an important conversation.
2: No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I'm one of those people that grew up, lived my whole career in, you know, the the highest level of those institutions at uh, the University of Maryland and College Park. Um, but I'm also one of those people that uh, fully understands the complexity of the needs that are out there and how every part of higher education is contributing to our society, to the needs of our people. And so every part of it is important. and. I was not one of those people that stuck up my nose. I applauded everyone who was doing great work, and uh, and and would challenge anybody who wasn't doing great work or was sitting on their laurels trying to do stuff that they've always done. Tell them like it is.
1: Love that, Dale. Thanks for saying that. I, uh, I, um, Salesforce is um, one of the biggest organizations, like. Ever, um, it's a massive. You're a higher education industry advisor, um, so I'm going to ask you a profound question. Advise me, Dale. What's going What's going on in higher education? What 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 are you doing uh, with your clients? How you know What's your job look like? What is higher ed saying? Give us the lay of the land.
2: Oh gosh, that there's th- really a few things hour. going on just a few things going on in higher education right now. I mean, it, it goes without saying that higher education is going through incredibly disruptive change. And probably um also true that there's a lot of resistance to change within higher education. Yikes. So, um and and then there's just incredibly um changing expectations of higher education. and So I talk a lot about how our students, our faculty, our staff, um, their experiences outside of the university or outside the college is informing what they come to their work and to the classroom uh, with. And so those experiences um, really, I talk about the Amazon experience or the Netflix experience and, and how that informs their expectations of what they think they're gonna get, uh, the value that they're gonna get. And um, unfortunately there's often a huge gap between what we're we're telling them they're going to get and what they often get. And so uh, I think technology is a really important part of that conversation and that's why I'm at Salesforce um, I, I believe in the mission of higher education. I believe in what um, everyone is doing. And um, I think we need help. And I think um, technology is a huge force multiplier, enabler, empowerer, all of those things. And so, uh, and I think Salesforce is in a place that is at the engagement uh, layer of that those relationships. Uh, I think we're all in the relationship business in universities, and we need to build great, long-lasting trust-building uh, relationships. And uh, that's why I'm at Salesforce.
1: Before I pass it to you, Jason, I want to ask: Who, when you say higher, you're a higher ed advisor. Are you advising Salesforce based on what higher ed clients are saying? So you're going back to technicians and coders and everything, you know, in, in terms of design, or are you advising higher education on product build outs or both?
2: Both. Yeah. So the answer is yes. Um, I, I value both of those parts of my jobs. I, I love both of those parts. So I work across Salesforce, across our teams to help them understand what I often say is, how higher education works and doesn't work uh, because there are incredible nuances to higher education. It's, you know, I'm steeped in them. Sometimes I don't even know what I know because I was in there so long. Um, But then I also work with our customers because they don't always understand what technology needs they have, how to think about how things are changing so quickly and how a, a, a product like Salesforce can support the really important things that they're trying to do with their with their students, with their faculty and staff, with their constituents, donors, um, supporters, uh, and you name it. Whatever relationship you have as an institution, you need to manage, you need to build, you need to um, improve those relationships, and so you need something to help you do that. And that's why I do what I do.
1: Mm, so you're like a bridge i a bridge.
2: I call myself a translator. That's what I really do. I translate higher ed to Salesforce and Salesforce to higher ed. And I, like uh, style, I think that's dude. a really important, it's something important that I probably don't even know how I do it sometimes, but I, I love doing it.
0: I love it. Jason over to you. Keeping along those same line of thinking, one of the things I like about Salesforce is the comprehensive nature of what you do. The services you provide start at the marketing recruitment stage with regard to the relationship with students, working all the way through their educational experience at the institution, keeping that relationship going and taking advantage on both sides of the relationship. Uh, Moving forward, all the positives that can benefit that student and the institution over time after graduation. And it really uh, has become something that, you know, all all institutions of higher education understand the importance of that relationship, the one-on-one student relationship. And I was wondering what you have found at Salesforce related to artificial intelligence and how that has potentially disrupted that relationship. So much has been written and said about students using it to... To put it nicely, uh, help themselves academically, potentially maybe outside the scope of the rules, but not as much has been said about the positive ways AI can be used to help the student relationship with the school. What What is Salesforce doing in that regard?
2: Well, I'm going to start with where you started, which is uh, something that I believe really strongly in and, and the power of the Salesforce platform versus what um, is almost ubiquitous, I would say it's ubiquitous in higher ed, doesn't matter where you are, um, um, of point solutions. Just one little piece of technology that helps you do X, Y, or Z. A lot of times those things are great. We, you know, they're a lot better than we used to do. And so it's, it's natural that higher ed has adapted um, some of those to whatever they're using. Um, and whatever they're trying to do. But what I love and the, w- the value that I saw when I was um, a customer and in higher ed was that end to end single platform that connects all of those parts of the journey, the student journey is complex. It's it, it, hopefully long, lifelong in some cases. And so you want to be able to you want to be able to connect those experiences and connect those data behind the scenes to help um, every institution do those things well. And so that's really, you know to me, the incredible enabler of AI that you talk about, Jason. And AI, for me, oftentimes um, we talk about AI in the abstract. I like to define two terms, two parts of of AI that I think are really important. Um, generative AI is what we're really talking about right now. It's so hot; everybody's thinking, "Oh my goodness, ChatGPT! Um, it's going to change the world. It's going to, you know, it's going to destroy everything you know we know." Ah. Um, and then the other is predictive, um, and predictive AI has been around for a while. And that so there's two parts of those things. I'm going to start with the predictive part. That's been around a while. It's part of, it's just integral. It's been integral to what we do at Salesforce. It's part of a lot of um, technology, but it helps us and it helps institutions be able to predict um, when a student may be going off the rails. Um, you know, They may be having um, problems that we don't even know about, and it's starting to bring data in that a human being on their own wouldn't be able to do to be able to say, hey, you might wanna wanna reach out to this student because there may be something going on that you can help them with. And so in that world, that's a really positive thing to help our students understand their best course of action because there's so many options for them, so many variables for them to consider. If we can help them do that, that's great. For our faculty and staff, if our predictive AI can help them take away a lot of the noise and focus them on the stuff that they really need to do, that's a really great outcome. So uh, I think that's not going to destroy the world. That's not going to change. That's that's only going to empower, enable, improve the life of everybody at institutions. On the generative side, um, I I break that down. There's a lot of stuff going on in the learning process and in the classroom and the things that are happening. I don't talk as much about that, but I understand how critical that is um, because of the the plagiarism issues, the, you know, are you really doing the work and are you really learning? That's really, you know, critical. Those are important questions. The trust issues, the ethical issues, those are all really important. The piece of generative AI that I get really excited about is as a productivity enabler, and it's really a force multiplier. And Um, For me to be able to use generative AI to be able to take some of the weight off of me, if I'm an advisor for a student and I got to coalesce a lot of information about that student really quickly, wouldn't it be great if the technology did it for me? And I could walk into a meeting with them with the 10 bullet points of the ways that we as an institution have interacted with that student and supported them or not supported them over the last few months. Um, You know, that to me, Generating that first email that you're going to send to your student, generating the the case summary of all of the things that are happening with their financial aid and with their um, with you know their their academic life. Those are all things that, um, to me, are incredibly exciting and part and parcel of what we do and integrated into everything we do at Salesforce. It's really going to be the thing that propels us forward and is going to get really exciting.
0: That's and a you,
2: fact. That's a fact.
0: You don't just do higher education. I mean, perhaps you you know, in, in your role, but Salesforce does not only do higher education. You, as a company, are involved in pretty much every conceivable type of industry, from financial services to energy to consumer goods, manufacturing, public sector uh, issues. So I I think it's interesting that you as a company put forward this customer relationship management uh, piece, which is the, the core of what you do. You help companies and businesses and nonprofits and public sector entities all of all of your clients you help them manage that customer relationship and in higher education and education generally the customer relationship a lot of people don't necessarily think of students as customers uh, in higher education, um, you know, so I, I maybe explain a little bit about that terminology and, and how you view a, a, as a company, but also you personally view that relationship from the higher education perspective.
2: Yeah, the, such an such a rich conversation around that because I think um, as a company, relationships, relationship building, relationship management, that runs across every industry so you're right to point out that as a company we support everything that's out there because relationships are everywhere every organization, whether it's a nonprofit for-profit, um, education, government, military it you know it doesn't matter everybody is struggling with how to re- you know build those and manage those relationships. Um, I think in higher education, um, the, the issue is really understanding um, how we can do that in the best way possible um, to make sure that the relationships that we're building, as you're right to, to, to point out that the customer word is often a dirty word um, for, for us we don't like to think of, of our students as just customers. But I would say that if we don't, and this is my personal opinion, I think this is something we, we talk about as a company, um, that if you don't think of your your students as customers and that they're coming to you paying a lot of money, expecting something for what they're paying for, um, then you're you're gonna miss out on a lot of things. It's not just a customer relationship. Hopefully, it's much richer. There's a lot more to it, a lot deeper. Um, but I think um, we as a company would say, at the very least, you need to understand your, your students and the people that you're serving as customers because they have expectations of you and um, they rightfully expect things that you ought to deliver in a in as meaningful and as easy a way as possible. Um, one of the things that I love, one of the quotes that I love from one of our presidents, um, not, not Salesforce, it's one of our, our higher ed presidents is, um we ought to make life in the classroom as rich and rigorous as possible everything outside the classroom is a service and we ought to make it as easy as possible and um i believe that to the core and um and so i can understand why faculty members shy away from wanting to call their students customers um they they uh They have a different kind of relationship with them, but parts of that relationship are certainly customer-based.
1: Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. For a third straight year, the Edup Experience will be recording live at Illusion Live 2024. This year in San Antonio, Texas, April 7th through the 10th, Illuminate, Innovate, and Inspire. That's the framework for the conference. Leaders from institutions around the world will converge at Elucian Live 2024 to discover game-changing technology, share industry insights, and build powerful connections. It's time to explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future-ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. You can register now at elive.elucian.com. Epic. Oh, yeah. You've heard me talk about the Insights EDU Conference. Well, let me tell you three reasons why I think everyone listening should join us in Phoenix, Arizona on February 20 through 22nd for Insights EDU. One, it's one of the few conferences focused on helping schools serve today's online and non-traditional students. Two, you can expect a mix of speakers you won't hear anywhere else, including higher ed leaders from Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, and more. And reason three, Insights EDU has an agenda packed with sessions discussing the latest trends in higher ed leadership, marketing, and enrollment management. Register now at InsightsEDU.com and use promo code EDUP to save $50 off your registration. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the minute you brought it up, Jason, somebody somewhere uh, that you said customer, somebody went. We're going to have a problem here. Because, the, uh, right? I mean, this is the, what like an age-old Conversation within higher ed. However, I will one thing I would add that I, that I've seen happening over the last few years is as you shift to online, a lot more online learning, um, and and for those that are not going online, institutions are coming up with much better prior learning assessment policies for transfer credit. So all of a sudden, this student who was blocked out of institutions because well they didn't accept these credits so why would I transfer there or they don't they don't uh, they can't take me in as quickly and I don't want to take a gap now that student can shift so easy even think about the portal like for athletes. You you don't like the you don't like the classroom service he got? Well, you know what? I'm just gonna go be an athlete somewhere else. Um, because of what happened in the classroom. So all of a sudden, what happens in the classroom reverberates in this decision making process and students have the quick triggers. Man, I'll tell you guys, I'm I'm at Lindenwood, obviously. Well, not obviously, maybe you didn't know, but I'm at Linda when I'm the chief experience officer, my job is to keep everybody here, but these students have quick triggers and they come in and they say, Hey, I had a bad experience. I'm not so sure I should be here anymore. And I go, you should, because I'm going to, you know, put your feet in cement and you're not allowed to leave, but you're, you're you, there, the decision-making process and back to Jason's question, Salesforce being a organization that is about swift delivery, right? You, you have this technology, we have an API, we can put an API on it. And all of a sudden you're going to get all the data you want. You know, we can integrate all these systems. We have a baseline platform in a higher ed, which is an industry not built on speed. It's not, we're trying to build speed into it. The career colleges defined speed in higher ed, my opinion. Um, we're seeing it replicated now in other institutions. Um, but How do schools that you're talking to think about speed now? Are they thinking about speed? Are they thinking about a transient customer or whatever you want to call them? Is there more thinking around like these guys can just get out of here as fast as they came in?
2: Yeah, that's a tricky one for sure. Um, I I wish I could say that the customers that I talk to – have that as top of mind i think the um you know the some of my some of my business friends who interacted with um, higher ed folks would say that change in universities is glacial probably at best and so um Even if I don't know what's I don't I don't know, it's a little bit faster than Glacial, but um, even if you moved that way a little bit, you'd still be awfully slow. And so a lot of institutions, a lot of our customers would say, yeah, of course, you know, we want to do things faster and better. And um," but I still think relative to the need and relative to the expectation, um, most institutions are still very slow. Um, very um uh, very reticent to make big changes. We are built on incremental change, not transformative change. and that's a
1: great I quote. think that well done, yeah, that's yeah, great, great yeah, way to
2: say I, I think, yeah, I think we we really need to be thinking about transformation, and um I just think that. Um, A a good friend of mine, Mike Smith, he's a a faculty member at Carnegie Mellon. Um, He just wrote a book called The Abundant University. He talks about his experience with the entertainment industry and what the entertainment industry went through when um, kind of online streaming services and places like Netflix and content providers that were different than Hollywood um you know the 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 disruption that that caused and all of the things that um that came about because of it and and he took that learning and he applied it to uh universities and to higher education and i think we're we're still in the middle of that transformation i think that we're not we're at the very beginning of it but i just feel like we're at the precipice and it's just going to get faster and faster and people's needs are going to you know really be changing so i i don't i, I don't yeah. predict i'm not a futurist but i just feel it in my in my in my gut my soul that uh, we're on the precipice of a lot of change
1: yeah jason uh, i'll hand it to you in a second but i always think about streaming video and i and i relate it to higher ed right? once upon a time on streaming video, you had to wait for the introduction of the show, right, the minute and a half. Now you can hit the skip button if you don't want it, right? So all, we have these skip buttons all around us. You don't want to watch this advertisement, you could skip. You don't want to watch the introduction, you could skip. What else can I skip? So we have this in, this, this uh, built in like ingrained I don't know, expectation that you can kind of skip the things that you don't want to have. It's really interesting because higher ed is not about skipping in any way. Uh, it's an interesting paradigm, to use a higher ed word, that we have to uh, think about, Jason. And I, and I know you have some thoughts around this stuff about speed, um, but I'll pass it to you.
0: Well, I, 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 similar to that, I was gonna ask, ask about the cloud. Uh, a, a lot of work goes into uh, you know creating data for, in your case, universities and, and uh, educational entities in every possible way, you know, creating a platform where you can slice data and, and look at it in, in meaningful ways. Uh, and you at Salesforce talk a lot about how that data is on the cloud and the benefit of that. And I, I, I'm guessing there's a lot of people out there, perhaps including me, Who don't really understand what the cloud even is and and why that is such a benefit and moving forward into the future what kind of role that is going to play can you kind of explain what what the cloud is with regard to the work that
2: you do
1: let me let me just set the stage for anybody that thinks they know
2: you must unlearn what you have learned
1: okay now now tell us (laughs) now
2: All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my re- response to say that I am not a technology person. I didn't grow up as a computer science guy and all of those things. Um, I learned it uh, late in life. But what I would say um, to your question around the, the cloud, the value of the cloud, what I think we've seen in higher education, what we've seen across industries is um, kind of this evolution from on-premises, Um, You know, you have to go through regular updates. If you don't, that's fine. You're going to be 10 versions behind Um, your, you know, your, your security uh, and data security, system security is going to be potentially at risk. And so what the cloud does, this is, this is really um, simplifying it. But two things that I think that um, the cloud does is it, it gives you almost limitless um, um, boundaries um, to work within and it gives you um, kind of regular ways to get updates and innovations without you having to do a lot of work so um, those are two things that are really important and then there's a, a, a really at least at salesforce i won't speak for all cloud providers but um, at salesforce an incredible focus on system security and data security and in this day and age that's incredibly important and um, i think it it shouldn't go without saying trust is our number one value as a company and so um, being able to trust that your data are secure that you um, get to decide what you do with your data somebody else doesn't get to decide it for you um, particularly around issues of students and student information and student privacy, um, all of the things that we know about our students, uh, those are really important. And, and it goes beyond that, constituents, donors, all of those things, those things shouldn't be public and they shouldn't be um, at risk. And so I think um, the, uh, the, the, we talked about speed, the speed that you now have, at, uh, accessible to you in the cloud and the and this incredible amount of data that you can put in one place um, allows you to do all of those things. I don't remember if I said it related to the AI question, but is meaningless without data, right? And so we and institutions of higher education love collecting data. We love analyzing data. We don't always do such a great job of doing something with those data, um, and we just like to we just like to analyze it. We just like to talk about it. We just like to you know see the trends and not do anything about it. So I think, unrelated to the cloud question specifically, but it it enables institutions now to do things with their data, and and. Bring it to user levels that allows um, individuals to be able to really serve students in new and different ways that they haven't been able to do before.
0: And can you talk about success when when you engage in a a contract with with a with a client in your case in education how How do you know that the services you've provided have worked? How do you quantify success?
2: Wow, that's a really good question, because I think it really depends on um, it, it depends on where you are in the student journey. Um, and it really depends on the institution, right? I talk a lot about this is actually a question I just uh, talked about with some of our internal folks, because what is important to an institution is unique to them, right? It, there, There isn't kind of a one-size-fits-all, and that's what, again, what I love about Salesforce is it allows you to work on the areas that you need the most help in. So I will give you, I'll give you an examples across the, uh, the student journey. So within recruiting and admissions, um, return on investment success would to me be, um, did you give your students a better recruiting experience? Um, did you give them a personalized experience? And did that then translate into more students admitted, more students matriculating to your institution? Um, and, and, and all of those things are, you can quantify those things, right? Um, did you Are you doing better this year than you did last year in terms of the number of students that you're bringing to your institution? Um, once they matriculate and getting them through to graduation we we talk about persistence and retention and that's where there's so much focus today because you guys know about the enrollment cliff there are just fewer um, graduating seniors from high school that are eligible to go to college and so there's just greater competition for those students so the focus has to be on, if you get them, you better keep them and you better get them through and give them value for uh, what they're paying for. And so a a return on investment, their success to me would be, did you you increase your retention rate? Did you increase your persistence and graduation rate? Those are all um, important things. And then once they graduate, and they become active alums, hopefully active donors, that um, returns on investment would be around, um, are they actively engaged with, with your institution? Maybe mentoring students, maybe hiring students if they're business owners or in companies and actively doing those things. You can quantify those relationships and quantify, are you increasing that engagement or not? you can you obviously quantify um are you are you increasing um alumni donations amounts of donations um endowments all of those kinds of things those are all really important benchmarks for institutions and i think they're all important indicators of success and Uh, I will be the first to say that Salesforce is an, an, an enabler of those things. They are not just the reason, right? So you could have the best technology, and this is often true. You can buy the best technology and do absolutely nothing with it and not see any results and blame the technology, when in fact... Um, you just didn't do things that you needed to do as an institution to change how you were doing business and use the technology to superpower whatever you're trying to do. Yikes.
1: You know, I Dale as I look um at the landscape of higher ed, you know there's a there's a um, ongoing conversation about value. Um, the value that an institution provides, whether it's the programs that they have, the degrees or certifications that they have, there's um, a lot of uh, a conversation about there that y- you don't need a post-secondary education anymore. You know, you can you can do these other things. I think it's scary. It's a it's a it's a very interesting conversation. Scary, I think, for some students that especially coming from um, maybe less means, um, a l- less privilege to go, what do I really do with my life? Some adult students, maybe that they want to make a career change and they're wondering if if going to school and getting that education is going to get them to where they want to go. It makes it really confusing. Um, and I think institutions are, if they're not freaking out about it, they're definitely talking about it. I know we are um, you know, how do you serve uh, these students where you now for, for a lot of institutions, students that leave, they don't go anywhere. They just leave higher ed. It's not like they decide to go to another school. So we've failed them somehow. And you add up all those failures. And all of a sudden, somebody says, what the heck is going on in higher ed or post-secondary ed? How do you Salesforce think about the thought leadership part of this, the the higher ed part, the value part? What kind of conversations do you have internally around that?
2: Oof yeah the the kind of the you know I'll go back to a couple of things one, the mission of higher education, the value of higher education um just as a concept it, it has never been more important I, I mean, it's just it still maintains um a, a kind of front and center to our society and Um, to the people that are involved in it those are really incredibly important things they they drive what I do every day Um, I I can get really passionate and emotional about it because you know this it changes lives right Um, but it can also just destroy you unfortunately and either it destroy you because you got really close some college but no degree Um, You um, got just burdened with incredible debt, Um, whatever it might be, um, you know, you, you have to, we have to take that seriously. And we talk about that a lot. How can we help institutions do better and be better? Um, with the things that they, they do, right? We don't, we we at Salesforce can't do the things that they do. We just want to help them do those things better. Um, Go back to the AI, that predictive analytics that we talked about. Um, Man, if we could figure out, there are so much, there's so much data nationally around that idea of some college, no degree. How can we, and a lot of times it's, it's students who got really close and it was a few hundred dollars that kept them from getting over the finish line. Man, if we could have predicted that before they walked out the door and said, hey, we're seeing some warning signs that really worry us, you know, how can we help you? Let's work with you, you know, because they often don't have the the resources, um, knowledge, the support, the background. We know, we know these from the data. Research is abundant about these things. Um, how can we help you as an institution? That's the personal touch. And you have then the, uh, you, you talk about a lifelong advocate. If you as an institution had the ability to help that one student um, and you did, and you you changed their life right and they are incredibly grateful for that um, the the reverse is also true if you didn't do anything about it shame on us i mean it really is uh, to me it's it's personal to me because i, I don't want to be part of an institution that could have done something and didn't um, and just chose not, you know, like, mm, that's on them. That's not on us. And let's blame the students. Um, no, I think this outrageous. is a shared burden, a, a shared um, partnership. And I, and and that's why I think um, if we can give them a great <laughs> tool, like what we have, then that's an awesome thing.
1: And any, fi- any final questions for Dale?
0: When you think about value, keep keeping on that same subject, that one of the big policy debates that's happening right now is about the outcome of a student's educational experience and whether or not they're making enough money after graduation to, in the minds of the regulators, justify the cost of the education that they just went through. What, what are your thoughts on, on the different types of education? Uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal- the year before last, did a comprehensive series on uh, master's degree programs and and how the cost of going through the education greatly outweighed the the payback on the other end. Does that mean then that it was a waste of money? You know, you, you're doing what you want to do It's your chosen life profession. Uh, and yeah, maybe you're not making as much as if you had majored in finance and were working on wall street, but you have a fulfilling experience and, and you're enjoying the work that you do. Um, where, where, where do you come down on, on that debate between, you know, how, how much money you make is the sole determinant of whether or not your education was worth it?
2: I don't think it should be a surprise that I don't think that that's the sole reason anybody should go um, get a degree or, or get a job. Um, it It is, it is really important. I mean, if you, if you're not taking that into consideration as a root, one factor and a really important factor in your decision about either, you know, going for your bachelor's degree or for your associate's degree or, or, you know, a master's degree, PhD, whatever. I mean, PhDs. Look, I'm 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 ABD, so I I wouldn't have made any more money by getting a PhD.
1: AB, uh, ABD but, or soon to be. That, yeah. A big difference.
2: Well, yes, <laughs> not soon to be. I I chose to get off the get off the crazy the the crazy. So um, I uh I think that um. That level of transparency, that's one of the parts of the conversation, Jason, that I know you know about the, the, the level of transparency that institutions have that I think is really important with their students or prospective students about what is this actually going to cost? What is a reasonable outcome um, in terms of, you know, you when you graduate, you might get a job like X, Y, or Z that's going to pay um, this amount. Those are things that are really important to to students. And, and a lot of a lot of students come from from uh, backgrounds where that's pretty obvious. A lot of students don't. And um, we need to empower them with that information. We have the information um, at our fingertips. There's a lot of people who don't want to share it and that. You know, I think shame on them for that Um, it's uh, I think transparency and openness about these things and going in with your eyes wide open about it look if people want to do that they want to go get a a, I won't even name names Um, go get a a degree that costs you $150,000 and you're going to make $40,000 a year if you if you went in with your eyes wide open more power to you but um, hopefully you knew that going in
1: Mm. That's such an important question that that the debt, you know, conversation is one where and we won't get into it. But I always wonder, like, you knew some people knew you were. gonna I just actually I, I say this because I finally paid off my student loans for my bachelor's degree that I carried because it had a low interest rate. And it was a moment to be able to pay off those loans and go, OK, paid them off. And I carried them for years, years and years and years. Yeah. And it's like you knew you were going to take out loans. And the whole loan forgiveness piece uh, is, is a. I'm, I'm going to stop it there because there's so many ramifications of something like that. But, um, you know, we, we have so many choices on where we go to school now. Some are low cost choices with, um, with distinct ROI. There's the we'll call them the high academic choices that come with a higher price tag. If you know how to go, if you know how to go, you can go exactly as you want to go. That's the difference between today and the past. And speaking of the, the past, we, we look to the future, Dale, and I want to leave you with the last two questions that we ask every guest. Number one, first, anything else you want to say about Salesforce? Open mic for you. Take two minutes. What do you want to say about the work you're doing, the work Salesforce is doing for HiRed?
2: Well, one, um, it, it's an incredible place to work. I and mean, it's one of the reasons I love the ecosystem that we have, and when I say ecosystem, it means our partnership with our customers and um, the commitment that we have as a company to um, our institutions. This isn't just a way to make money. Um, we really do see it as a, an opportunity to um, improve our society, improve institutions, um, our CEO Mark Benioff um, talks about business is the greatest platform for change um, I love that because I think that fits in with the mission of higher education we're in the business of changing lives and changing people and helping them be the best they can be um and so I love that and I love that we get to do that with our customers we're not just selling them a widget and walking away we're we're going in with them helping them do the things that they want to do and we're in them in there with the with them the lo- in the long haul right we're not just um cutting and running um, so so the ecosystem not only that we get to have with them but they get to have with each other that you know as a customer i got to call anybody across the country who was a Salesforce customer and say, hey, I'm having this problem. How are you dealing with it? What can what can you help me with? And everybody's sharing. Um, that doesn't happen in industry. As I mean, everybody at Salesforce, when I was a customer, just they, that blew them away. They were just like, you guys talk with each other. You share everything you're doing. Why are you doing that? That's so cool. And, uh, we, you know, it's just what we do. It's part of our DNA in higher education that we, we don't just protect. We want to share. And so that's a beautiful thing. Um, the other thing that I would say about Salesforce, I mentioned it, but I think it to me is so important. In an era of, Jason, you, you, you talked about um, the polarization in our country, the lack of trust—you um, know—the the mistrust of every institution, of every you know, every data point, every news story—you um, know—it's not unimportant that trust is our number one corporate value, and we live that out. We really believe it. I believe it. Um, it is built into our products. How can we create trust and build trust and work with our customers in a in a trustworthy way, so that um, we bring an incredible amount of value? So, uh, you know, Salesforce and, and specifically for higher ed um, has so much value. We're just scratching the surface. Um, I want every institution of higher education to be on Salesforce. I do, that's, you know, it, it, it's something that drives me and drives my colleagues. Um, we'll get there eventually.
1: What do you see for the future of higher education?
2: Well, we touched on it and I would just say um, disruption and change and becoming better at what we do, going back to our mission, Um, I mentioned Mike Smith, Um, that's one of his principles and things that we need to, we need to think about what is our mission, irrespective of how we're delivering on that, because that it doesn't mean, I think, Joe, you're the one who said it, it doesn't mean 14 weeks sitting in a classroom, necessarily, it might be but that doesn't equal mission fulfillment. Um, Mission fulfillment in terms of educating and changing lives can happen in lots of different ways. And we all need to embrace new modalities, better modalities and make sure that we are meeting the expectations of the people that we're serving. Because right now I think there's a gap, there's a trust gap There's an expectation gap. There's an experience gap that we ought to change. And I think that we're on the cusp of really doing that.
1: I love it. Jason, what'd you think of this conversation today?
0: I thought it was great, Dale. Thank you very much for joining the show. I I learned a lot and it was a very productive conversation. Fantastic. Um, Ladies and
1: gentlemen, my guest co-host, he also hosts a podcast um if you want to learn more about what's going on in the world of career education you can check out career education report podcast hosted by the one and only jason on um that's offered through the career education colleges and universities you can find on apple or anywhere you get your podcast jason is a pro podcaster now are you not my friend if you say no then no one will listen yet say yes
0: okay yes (laughs)
1: ladies and gentlemen his name is Jason Altmaier. He is the CEO of CQ. Uh, please check out the work they're doing. It's very, very important work uh, for post-secondary education. Um, and uh, it's been an honor to have Jason alongside me as we interviewed the one and only Dale Vanderwall. He is higher education advisor at a little organization called Salesforce. Dale, we appreciate your passion. We can tell uh, the passion that you brought to the table, which I, I love passionate educators, and we hope you had fun along uh, this ride today as we talked about high red.
2: So much fun. I really appreciate you having me. I love talking about this stuff, and I love meeting other people that are as passionate as I am, so thank you.
1: Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just upped.
0: Attention.
1: It's time to register for Illusion Live 2024, April 7th through 10th in San Antonio, Texas. Illuminate Innovate. Inspire. Explore higher education's greatest opportunities with future-ready ideas, solutions, and best practices designed to drive transformation. Register now at elive.elusian.com. This conference is going to be epic. Hey there, higher ed leaders. Are you thinking about joining the EdUp Experience podcast at Insights EDU on February 20th, through 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona? 100%. I thought so. This is the go-to event for higher education marketing and enrollment management. At Insights EDU, you'll gain cutting-edge insights from industry experts, including speakers from companies like Google, LinkedIn, Adobe, Salesforce, and more. Become the transformational leader your campus needs by participating in discussions on important topics like online student demands and preferences, increasing affordability and accessibility, branding, Measuring marketing performance, and much more. Insights EDU is the conference you need to attend in 2024. Register now at insightsedu.com and use the code EDUP to save $50 off your registration.